2: The New Statesman.
0: Hi, I'm Anoush.
1: Hi, I'm Freddie.
0: And on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, we have a special bonus episode where we speak to Ed Miliband about Keir Starmer's Labour Party conference speech, and you ask Ben about the polling. (laughs) So in the spirit of collaboration, we do sometimes invite fellow podcasters oh. onto the New Statesman podcast. And we're delighted to be joined by fellow podcaster and also Shadow Climate Change and Net Zero secretary and former Labour leader, Ed Miliband. Thanks so much well, for joining us. Well, thank you so
3: much for having me on the New Statesman podcast. I, it's my, I think it's my first appearance. so oh, First well. of many,
0: we're sure. First yeah. of many, I'm sure. Welcome to your debut. And yeah. actually, we've got you at the right time because Keir Starmer has just finished his party conference speech. And actually, I did think when I was listening to it, it has your fingerprints all over it, doesn't it? Well, I thought
3: it was a great speech, and it was very much Keir's work and Keir's speech, and I think it set out a, a set of election choices, basically, I think. We've seen what the Tories have to offer in the last few days, financial chaos, but also a view of the country, which is it succeeds when a few at the top do well, the so-called trickle-down economics. And I think Keir was laying out a very different vision. And of course, at the heart of that is how you create jobs in a green econ- with a green economy uh, and an economy for the many, but with green as very much a central part of it. I thought he did a brilliant job. I thought he did a brilliant job content-wise. I also thought he did, it was actually delivered brilliantly. As somebody yeah. who's delivered these speeches in the past, they're a, a trial, to put it mildly, and I thought he did great.
0: How do you feel watching those speeches, having done those speeches yourself? Thankful that I'm past? not
3: doing it. Yeah. No, I thought, did, I thought he did really well. And, and I think it's, I hope what people have seen this week is yes in a sense that the backdrop has been the chaos in the markets and all of that but you've seen Labour laying out an agenda for the future you know my view of politics is big ideas are our friend and whether it's zero carbon power by 2030, a new national wealth fund for Britain, GB Energy, publicly owned generation company. I think these are big ideas to change our country.
1: On Just on the GB Energy yeah. policy, which obviously was announced today, does that mean that Labour would nationalise energy companies? You just give us a little bit more detail about that.
3: Yeah, it's not about nationalising okay. existing companies. It's about setting up a new public generating company, Freddie. And why are we saying that? Because we've looked around the world at the countries that do well on renewable power, the top 10 countries for renewable power all of them have state-owned energy companies apart from us. Mm. And there's this amazing fact, which is 45% of our offshore wind assets, so nearly half, are owned not simply by foreign companies, but by foreign governments. And that's because other governments have recognized the need to invest, the need to invest for the future. And that gives you the advantage of job security and also speed of transition. So, it's not replacing the private sector, but it is going to be an important player in the energy system.
0: And the story of this Labour conference has really been the energy theme, hasn't it? It opened mm. with that 100% yes. clean energy by 2030 pledge. Then you have this great British energy announcement and also the slogan, a fairer, yes. greener future. That Obviously, that's no accident. Why did Labour decide to hang its conference around this?
3: Because, theme? look, Keir, Rachel and I have been having this discussion over the last few months. We made the climate investment pledge, £28 billion a year, at last year's conference. and we'd always envisaged that for this year's conference if you like the some of the fruits of that investment would be made apparent that was setting out the pledge and this was if you like filling filling in some of the detail and of course the energy bills crisis is massive for so many people and i think what's really important about this fair greener is Why green? Of course, because of the climate crisis, but also crucially, it will lower energy bills if we go green, because as Keir said in his speech, renewables are nine times cheaper than gas. It gives us energy security, homegrown zero carbon power. And it is this sense of the future, Mm. the economy of the future, the green economy of the future. So, yeah, it's been absolutely centre stage. And I think that's been very much the right thing.
1: Yeah, the world has changed a lot in the past three days. The UK economy (laughs) economy has changed massively in the past three days. And many of these speeches have been written over the past few months. I know Rachel Reeves' speech, for instance, they started to work on it in July. Yeah. What changes do you think are going to happen to Labour policy, given that we've now got predicted a £67, £68 billion pound deficit by 2026? Surely Labour have now less money to implement their policies?
3: Look, we've always been very cautious about making commitments, precisely for the reason that we wouldn't know what the economy was going to be like at the time of the next general election. We've got a very important pledge on climate investment. Why, why is it right to borrow for that climate investment? Because we've been open about that. It's because unlike some tax cuts for the rich, it actually has a return. If Liz Cross is right about one thing, which is we need to grow our economy, but we're not going to do it with trickle-down, but we are going to have to invest in our country. And so, you know, yes, we've seen chaos. Yes, it's going to make the fiscal position even tighter. And Keir was right to say in his speech that it's going to be harder for us and we're not going to be able to do everything all at once. But we do need to change the direction of this country. I think you're right that... In a sense, the, I think the dividing line has become starker in the last... With the trust government, it's yeah. become starker. I always thought that Boris Johnson had this self-description of himself, which is a Brexity hezer. In other words, he was for Brexit, but he was yeah. for intervention.
0: Yeah.
3: Liz Truss is not a Brexity hezer. You know, we've seen the tax cuts. We've seen what's going to potentially happen to borrowing. But We haven't yet seen the cuts to public services, but they are probably coming down the yeah. track. Yeah. So we've seen a Tory party retreat to very much a pre-Cameron right-wing Tory party... That makes the divide stark and the battle lines of the election obviously being drawn.
1: Yeah, and speaking about Brexit, obviously that was a theme that Starmer addressed in his speech. I thought that was very interesting, trying to reach out to those voters and also recognising that many people voted not for reasons about trade or about Northern Ireland, but more as a sense that something had gone wrong and that we need to invest in public services. How how intentional was that, do you think? How much does Starmer recognise that he needs to... Acknowledged that he voted Remain and also was a key part of Labour's policy in Brexit post-referendum and he has to reach out to those voters what? who potentially were isolated in 2019. I thought it was a very
3: powerful, I think you're right to pick up on it, I thought it was a very powerful part of the speech. and look, I represent a constituency that voted more than 70% mm. for Brexit, one of the biggest numbers in the country and... People often ask me why, and you're completely right to say... People say, is it about immigration, is it about Europe? Of course, it's about some of those things, but it was this demand for change, this sense of our economy doesn't work for us. I want a better future for my kids and grandkids. That was the message I heard. And the green economy might seem some distance away from that, but actually it is about saying we can deliver the change you've been waiting for. You you voted for this change in 2016. Brexit hasn't yet delivered that change to people we will deliver that economic change that you wanted to see.
0: Mm. And uh, we've been talking about the general atmosphere around this Labour conference. Yeah. And there is a good. sense of Yeah, there is a sense of optimism. Activists and advisors feel upbeat when you're speaking to them at the drinks, receptions and things. Yeah. And, and obviously, Keir Starmer was introduced on stage as the next prime minister. Did you have ever have a conference when you were Labour leader where you had a sense of that optimism? And would you, would you
3: advise some caution? I'm the eternal warrior against complacency. This is a, f- a phrase that Tony <laughs> Blair used to use, but it speaks to my experience. Look, we've seen poll leads of whatever it is, 17 points yeah. today. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, and people I mean, are
1: comparing that to 2014, aren't they, quite explicitly?
3: Yeah, look, Keir Starmer is a very level-headed guy, and he's not going to get ahead of himself. He's, he knows, as he said in his speech, we've got a big fight on, a big fight for the future of the country. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a landslide or a walkover. The Tories aren't just going to say, OK, we know we'll leave office now, you mm. can take over. It's going to be a big fight. But... The building blocks are gradually being put in place. And you'll see more policy from Labour, I'm sure, over the coming months. I think it is this thing that we're determined to make the weather in our country. We're determined to to make the weather in terms of speaking to the issues that people care about and showing we've got big ideas for the future.
0: Thank you very much. I know you've got to get off and do all sorts of other things as well. So thanks for joining us and taking the time. It's
3: been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ed.
0: Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to The New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12 if you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast
1: offer. We'll be right back. From The New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including... Edward Docks on the death of Boris the Clown.
2: When did the booing start? He was never exactly sure.
1: A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk.
2: One presenter told
3: me that producers had taken to booking their own parents.
1: May Robson on why women's football is the more beautiful game. Like most of the England squad, the Euro 2022 captain, Leah Williamson, can't afford not to have a plan B ease into the weekend with our audio long reads published every saturday morning just search audio long reads from the new statesman wherever you get your podcasts
0: And now it's time for a section we like to call...
3: You ask U.S. Gas. Oh,
0: Great, Ben. We're yeah. delighted to have Ben Walker actually in person because we don't live in the same city, so we don't usually have you recording with us. But we've got you here to chat about how everything, not just this conference, but what's going on with the economy, is going down with the public. Let's start with Labour. We mentioned on the first half of this episode that big blockbuster Times, YouGov poll that put Labour 17 points ahead. I think that's the first time they've been that far ahead of the Tories since 2001. What does it mean? T- pick apart the numbers for oh, us. It's
2: one poll. That's the thing. We <laughs> always get excited by <laughs> yeah. one poll and we're, we're desperate, aren't we? We're desperate for that meme. Labour is 20 points ahead and we're getting there, aren't we? But to be honest with you, I always say this to anyone who's getting overexcited. Honestly, look at all of them. Please look at all of them. There may be a, bit, a few days out of date, but just do that. And at the moment, yes, Labour's ahead quite well, not 17 points ahead, more like 12, more like 13, if you factor in for assumptions like, okay, undecided Tories come back, or if you factor for things like high Tory turnout, because YouGov, they have a lot of undecided Tories there. Okay, And they're not going to be like that at the next election. A lot of them may come home. A lot of them may go to other parties. Other pollsters make that assumption. So it's always Mm. worth keeping an eye on all pollsters. So there are 12 points ahead. If an election was held today, which it isn't, a Labour would come away with a majority of 30, 40, 50 seats. That's good enough. And let's just bear in mind, they're coming away with that number when they're getting free seats in Scotland they don't need Scotland for majority anymore they are running away with it in Mm. Wales and bits of southern England you want to call it blue wall go ahead if you want to I don't really like the term but you're talking about those old commuterville places like Warwick Leamington Stevenage Rugby where else are we talking but just follow the west coast and east coast main lines these are the seats that Labour are turning red in quite a new way and it was verified in the local elections. so what we're seeing it's a perfect storm right now aren't we we are literally in the perfect storm it was raining like nobody's (laughs) business last night here in Liverpool it's perfect at the moment but it won't be perfect come the next election yeah it's very interesting you mentioned Scotland
1: because I think Starmer really went for the SNP in his conference speech and I think that's one of the first times it's been that explicit I spoke to some people from Scottish Labour before the speech and they were very excited they seen an advance statement they said it had given them confidence to go and face the SNP they think Starmer is very popular
2: in Scotland so that's interesting even though as you say Ben it's not essential for them at the moment in terms of the polling. The thing with Starmer is that he is better than any previous Labour that they've had he's better than the Tories really. He's doing quite well. Anna Sawa, rather, is yeah. actually the best. He's the second mm. best polling Scottish figure at this present time. Nicola Sturgeon, she's running away with it. She's been First Minister since 2014, and not once has she really dipped into negative figures, with the exception of the furore surrounding her mm-hmm. and Alex Salmon. She really has got it there. She's quite impregnable. So the minute she goes is the minute I think it's all to play for Mm then. To be honest with you, what Starmer said in his speech, what's very key, no deal with the SNP, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe that might change when the arithmetic is clear come the next election, but what it says to voters is that this Labour Party is very pro-union. This Labour Mm -hmm. Party isn't messing around like it was under Richard Leonard or other leaders about the question of independence. This is a party that's very much speaking to you straight. Okay, and sometimes you might want to appease the target demographic, the focus group voter. But what Starmer did there was he just put his cards on the table and says this is what it is. And voters do like that because voters, they're they're clever. They don't want to see a superficial politician saying, ah, we've got to appeal to everybody and all that type of stuff that we've had for the past 10 years in social democratic parties. This was good. Yeah, and
1: one of the key factors that Starmer's been struggling on is decisiveness. Mm. And that's where trusts always put all their chips on, is coming out with such a strong policy straight away, even if it wasn't initially popular to hope that voters saw decisiveness and uh, backed her. Yeah. it doesn't seem to have play paid off and she's not had the balance many predicted no. No,
0: no but you're right I think Keir Starmer sounding like he can give straight answers to slightly tricky questions So you know, the Scottish question has been difficult for Labour for a long time it suggests that he is trying to move on from this image of himself as someone who sits on the fence which I think voters have struggled with in yeah. the past but it's interesting he made that sort of intervention about the SNP and he's also been quite clear that he's not interested in talking about electoral reform this is all because he doesn't want to be accused of stitching things up or making pacts before the election or being accused of of a coalition of chaos. Let's not forget Mm. that iconic line from the Conservatives. But does that mean... That things get tricky for him when he does get into power. How likely it is it, do you think, yeah. Ben, that Labour will win a, an outright majority according to the I mean, evidence the pre- that we at have? At present, now? they've got
2: predict it. Predict the future, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 right. That was an unfair <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a perfect time to <laughs> advertise Britain Predict. Okay. Hello, Britain Predicts. We have it on the New Statesman State yeah. of the Nation. It's a good model. It mm. tells you how swingy a seat is, and it makes pretty good assumptions. It got Wakefield pretty good, Birmingham, Eddington pretty good. It does well with by elections when it's not the Lib Dems ruining, ruining the arithmetic. (laughs) But it's currently forecasting a majority for Labour without any bit of tactical voting. Okay, and that's the thing. We know, as I said in the perhaps the crude way, we are a a nation of swingers now. We are less (laughs) loyal to our tribal parties than we used to be. Leave, remain broke that, UKIP broke that, the green surge in 2015, it wasn't a surge, it was from three to 7% and then fell back to free. The idea of you voting alternative Mm -hmm. parties has made this country a lot more willing to entertain alternative Mm -hmm. parties, which means tactical voting is a lot more attractive. And at the moment the modeling Excluding that, already has Labour on course majority. You apply some basic modelling, you've probably got a pretty big Labour majority already. So at the moment, yes, it's fine. There are still problems with the party. Starmer is only likeable because Truss isn't. He really is for standing start. He hasn't really moved around. You have about one in three to sometimes four in ten voters who just don't have an opinion of him. But that, that's a problem. He's still got to set himself out. This speech could change it. This speech could really be it, because it was quite decisive. What was it called? Great British energy, yep. which is like Great British Railways. Yep. We're going to have more of that, aren't we? It, it, it was good. It was newsy. It was popular as well. It yeah, and you could good. feel that
1: in the hall. Just sat there, you could see the faces of the delegates, very excited about what he was saying. People were jumping out of their seats yeah. to stand up and applaud him. So I think once you feel that in the room, often that conveys and goes, and if people feel it around the country as well
0: yeah yeah i thought that was a bit of a moment and mm-hmm. they'd squared the circle of that difficulty that they've had over being accused of weaseling out of renationalizing industries as well they've given yeah i enough, thought it was very that.
1: interesting that yeah. miller ban didn't commit or say that yeah. this great british energy that they their new policy w- he said they wouldn't include nationalizing the energy companies. so i think we do have to look at what it is actually going to be then and how it relates to the rest of the energy it's market i think it's
0: a clever compromise yeah. isn't it yeah for that for where they are with their activists yeah, yeah it's good
2: it's good it appeals to the activists you just look on twitter and i'm not going to name names but <laughs> certain sections of left twitter are actually positive for once about starmer that's news that's progress isn't it but also you've got to just remember this the public generally support public ownership But you need to be seen as competent. You need to be seen as being able to do it. This is the thing about the Labour manifesto of 19 and 17. Individual measures were popular, just like the budget, Quateng's budget. Some bits of it were popular, but the overall package of it, Mm -hmm. it wasn't speaking to you. Was it speaking to you of in 17 and 19? A bit more chaotic. You couldn't be trusted to handle the books. So starmer's when he's talking about public ownership, he's really got to put across that competent line that is going to be good about it. And to be honest, in the speech, what did he say? He said, "We can't." Do good labour things for a good few years. Yeah, he knows it.
1: I thought it was very interesting. He's aware. I feel as if that paragraph went in there about a day ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they were like, "We need to lower expectations a little bit," because as we spoke about in the first half, yeah. public finances are a completely different place now, and given all their spending commitments. They have to really acknowledge that.
0: Yeah. And actually on that, just lastly, Ben, with public finances in such a state with the pound crashing, mm. how has that come about? How has that come across in the polls?
2: Disastrous. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely <laughs> disastrous. I made this point on multiple podcasts multiple podcasts ago, which is that we don't appreciate how switched on the public are to the cost of the living crisis. Yep. I always say this. I'm from a family where apathetic family, they don't vote. And the only thing we whinged about in the good times of new labor, the good when the economy was growing, w- we were still whinging. Now, oh, I wish we could win some money and we'd win Winge that now, and we're whinging that during the cost of living crisis. And it's very easy to hear that and think, oh, that's just the country normal, really. But we fail to realise, I think a few of us in Westminster have failed to realise just how switched on the country has been to the cost of living crisis, how it's cross demographic. It's not just the lower incomes, it's all of us, really, who are going to feel some sense of a squeeze. And the pound doesn't help. 80% say the fall is very important. You have a plurality of Tory voters saying they don't have confidence in Liz Truss to handle the cost of living crisis. Mm. There is no confidence in any leader out there at present to handle the main issue of the day. That's Starmer's opportunity, but um, is he gonna gonna do it? Is he gonna come through? Thanks so
0: much for coming on in person, Ben. Very exciting to to have you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan and my colleagues, Freddie Hayward and Ben Walker, and our special guest, ed Miliband. we're produced by may robson and our music is devil with the devil licensed under creative commons thanks so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review